turn in the scripture, if you will, please, and we read together that portion which will be the focus of our attention in the message. Judges chapter 9 and verse 41. You'll remember that we are in the midst of this ninth chapter. And the record of the judges. Judges chapter 9 and verse 41. And Abimelech dwelt at Aruma, and Zebel thrust out Gaul and his brethren, that they should not dwell in Shechem. And it came to pass on the morrow that the people went out into the field, and they told Abimelech. And he took the people and divided them into three companies and laid wait in the field and looked and behold the people were come forth out of the city and he rose up against them and smote them. And Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood in the entering of the gate of the city. And the two other companies ran upon all the people that were in the fields and slew them. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day. And he took the city and slew the people that were therein and beat down the city and sowed it with salt. When all the men of the tower of Shechem heard that, they entered into an hold of the house of the god of Beareth. And it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech got him up to the mount of Zalmon, he and all the people that were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bough from the trees and took it and laid it on his shoulder and said to the people that were with him, What ye have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. And all the people likewise cut down every man his bough and followed Abimelech, and put them to the hold, and set the hold on fire upon them, so that all the men of the tower of Shechem died also, about a thousand men and women. Look at that text in a moment. Before we do, if you would turn again with me in your hymn book, number 487, and please stand with me as we sing together, 487. Jesus demands this heart of mine. 
demands my love, my joy, my care. But oh, how dead do things divine, how cold my best affections are. Tis sin, alas, with dreadful power, divides my Savior from my side. Oh, for one happy shining hour of sacred freedom's safety Come, gracious Lord, thy love can raise my captive powers from sin and death and fill my heart and life with praise and till my last expiring breath. Be seated. Burned alive. Burned alive. We return again this morning to the ninth chapter in the record of the judges of Israel. And now down, we have come down to this 42nd verse. Verse 42. I have already in this chapter spoken much to you about the treachery and villainy that pours out from almost every line in this dark and troubling record. Indeed, I used those two words, treachery and villainy, on last week almost to the point that I feared of being tedious. And yet, alas, I must confess to you, I fear that in this record, the half has not yet been told. There was, you recall, the treachery and villainy of Abimelech's murderous plot to kill all 70 of the noble-born sons of Gideon. And he succeeded. He killed all but one. There was the treachery of that equally treacherous plot of Abimelech to seize power and exercise tyranny over his people. These same Shechemites who aided him in his murderous scheme, they he plotted to rule over them with a heavy hand. And then there was the 
Oh, after only three years of reigning among them, there was a horrible rebellion and a mutiny that we saw in a former message. A mutiny within their own ranks. And a plan was set afoot to topple Abimelech's government and even to capture and if possible kill him. And even as that plan was unfolding, we saw along comes one man yet even more vain and villainous than Abimelech. This man called Gaul. And he fanned the flames of rebellion and thrust himself forward to be the head and principal of a violent campaign to lead Israel even further away from God and plunge them headlong into bloodletting and corruption. And then there, just in the shadow of that disgusting villainy, we get a view behind the scenes, as it were, of yet another sabotage and nauseating depravity the deceitful ploy of that man, Zebel. Full of lies and deception, it was by means of his treachery, as you will recall, that these men of Shechem were drawn out into a wicked trap laid by Abimelech and Zebel. And the result in verse 39 and 40 was more bloodshed and more death and more destruction and Gaul then and his brethren, verse 41, were thrust out of the city to face an almost certain assassination. And now today, as if all of that wretched scenery, as if all of that disgusting debauchery and criminality, as if all of that were not enough, the whole horrible story grows darker and more bloody yet. When we come to the text for this morning, could I just pause here in the story? Before we're led to view any more, and surely just right up to this text, as we've seen preaching through this chapter, right up to this 42nd verse, we've seen enough already to make our hearts faint and nauseous. But there's more. Before I look at the rest, could I just pause one more time and put to your heart the question, why? 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 Why is all of this tragedy happening? Why is there all this terror, all this villainy and treachery and lies and deceit and murder? Why is all of this happening to Israel? We've entertained the question before and we've answered it. And I'll answer it for you again just this morning 
because it's important that we take it in when we read such a terrible record as the record we're reading this morning. We feel it. We must ask ourselves, why is all this disaster happening? The answer is simply this. They will not have God rule over them. They will not have God rule over them. They had said to Gideon, their great deliverer, come and rule over us. Be our king. And Gideon said, I will not rule over you. My sons will not rule over you. My sons' sons will not rule over you. Only Jehovah God will rule over you. And they were never satisfied with that answer. Anything but God. Anybody but God. Give us anybody but God. Give us a treacherous, vile, wicked Abimelech. Give us a deceitful, lying God. Give us anybody, anybody but God to rule over. Oh, I can't emphasize that enough this morning. You want to know what's happened to America? We've come to a generation that will have anything or anybody but God to rule. We don't want God to rule over us. Oh, can I just warn you this morning? When any individual man Rejects the rulership of God, they'll be swallowed up in a tsunami, a tsunami of tragedy. Every individual man will be swallowed up in a tsunami of tragedy that rejects God as his ruler. Every family extended beyond the individual, and I'll say to you this morning, Every family, every family will be drowned in a gulf of calamity and crisis when they have anything but God ruling over them. God will rule over them or their lives will come to calamity. We expand it beyond the family. I say to you this morning that every nation will be crushed in disaster and death that will not have God rule over them. Every nation, the scripture says, the wicked shall be turned into hell. And every nation that forgets God, the nation that will not have God rule over them will result in death and destruction. It's inevitable. What in the world, when we read this record, it draws our hearts. We almost become sick of it. Sick of seeing the bloodshed and the treachery. And we have to turn to our hearts and realize the reason for it. They would not have God rule over them. Just that simple. The psalmist said in Psalm chapter 9 and verse 17, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Psalm chapter 37 and verse 10, for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. You'll look for him, but you won't find him. Why? Because he's refused to have God rule over him. Psalm chapter 1. Everybody's heard the words. You're familiar with 
Psalms 1 starts out, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate all the night, day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. But get down to verse 4. But the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I'm telling you, everyone that rejects God, rejects His rule, rejects His right to reign, will suffer disaster. And that's exactly what this chapter records. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 20, But the wicked are like the troubled sea. I don't know, we don't live near the ocean, do we? <laughs> but we've all seen it and been there. When we lived in Ireland especially, Ireland is an island. You can hardly go anywhere and not see the ocean. I've seen it stirred and churned. And I have some visual understanding of a troubled sea. Isaiah said in chapter 57 and verse 20, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire. Looked up that Hebrew word mire. It's a slushy mud. And oh, when I read this ninth chapter of the book of Judges, I can't see anything but mire cast up, constant mud and murk and filth churning up constantly in almost every line. Isaiah the prophet said the wicked are like that. They're like the troubled sea. They cannot rest. Whose waters cast up mire. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. Why? Why? Because they will not have the God of peace rule over them. Everybody everywhere these days is talking about peace and crying for peace and, and, and trying to legislate peace, but there won't be any peace except where the God of peace reigns. Men can't make peace. Only God does that. How very succinctly did Brother Jacob, our brother, describe this book of Judges in one of his school assignments this semester. He was given to he and Miss Faith given to do a rough outline of the different books of the Bible and the description of them. I noted his wording. I don't know if it was his own or he read it, but it was in his writing. He describing this book of Judges. He said it serves as a cautionary account of all people. <laughs> a cautionary account. For all people. Indeed, my brother, it is. It's a cautionary account for all people. It would caution us that those that will not have God rule over them will suffer disaster. So then our text continues to unfold this morning. This sad and tragic chapter in Israel's 
vacillating history, still drunk with foolish pride and now inflamed by Abimelech's cruel assault on their newfound hero we saw last week, they foolishly set out the very next day, the very next day, they set out the very next day to confront him in the field of battle. Verse 42. And it came to pass on the morrow that the people went out into the field and they told Abimelech, they're going out again. Oh, the blindness. Oh, the blindness that can result when carnal pride has been assailed and carnal ambition has met with resistance. <laughs> They're going out in the field to do battle. And then, in verse 43 and 44, Abimelech's response knows no delay. He took the people, verse 3, and divided them into three companies. Verse 43, and laid wait in the field and looked and behold the people were come forth out of the city. And he rose up against them and smote them. And Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood in the entering of the gate of the city. They cut them off. And the two other companies ran upon the people being blocked from being able to get into the city. He cut them off and the two other companies ran in upon them and the people that were in the fields and he slew them. Oh, the sad plight of these companions in crime. A band of thoughtless fools whose blood right now was red hot heated with their hatred for Abimelech. But soon enough, it'll be cold and on the ground. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. And they didn't. And now in our record, we see Abimelech himself inflamed at the perceived crimes against him. He pursues his prey beyond the carnage of the battlefield and pursues his prey into the city. Verse 45, and Abimelech fought against the city all that day and he took the city and he slew the people that were therein and he beat down the city and he sought it with salt. Slew the people. Slew the people. Destroyed the city. Sold it with salt, which was a symbol in those days of perpetual destruction as much as to say never again will anything grow on this spot. That's what Abimelech did. So Abimelech has crushed his enemies and God's enemies. But this is nothing more 
than bramble burning bramble. This is nothing less than God executing his justice with instruments who are themselves prepared for judgment. Do you get that? Don't miss this lesson. This destruction of Abimelech destroying the Shechemites, his brethren, his co-conspirators in his crimes. That whole thing is nothing less than God executing justice with instruments that are themselves prepared for judgment. Oh, the sovereignty, the sovereignty of our God. Fawcett had this to say. He said, in the very temple from which they had got the price of blood. You remember that in our study. From the very temple in which they had gotten the price of blood to make him king. They met to curse and contrive his death. Gaul and the Canaanite son of Ebed, whose name means slave, was the one in whom they now put confidence to deliver them from Abimelech, the son of a Canaanite concubine. It was Bramble in conflict with Bramble. Potsherd striving with Potsherd. If they were renouncing Baal, if they would renounce Baal and their other sins, for Jehovah there would have been hope for them. But they didn't. Satan cannot cast out Satan and Gaul, whom they now trusted, was no less turbulent and ambitious than Abimelech was before him. It was but exchanging one bad demagogue for another, untaught by bitter experience and pleasing themselves with their fool's paradise. They were fast ripening for ruin. Abimelech designed this destruction to be in vengeance for their rebellion against him. But God overruled it in his avenging of the blood of Gideon's sons. Listen to this now. Violent means, violent men mean to vindicate their own honor, but God means to vindicate his. Violent men conspire to vindicate their own honor, but God means it to vindicate his honor. The true key, says Fawcett, the true key of history amidst much that is dark, sad, and mysterious is this. Brother John's a history major. Here's the true key, and I know he knows it. The true key, says Fawcett, of history, amidst much that is dark, sad, and mysterious, is this. God reigning in righteousness by his secret and veiled providence, overruling men's crooked policy in spite of themselves, to further God's purposes.
and thereby giving an earnest of his coming judgment to the world, revealing equity. <laughs> Boy, there's a blessed philosophy of history for you history students. This is the key to history, says Hosea. It's our God sovereignly overruling in the affairs of men to accomplish his purposes. Oh, dear sinner this morning, dear sinner, if you're without Christ, could I just warn you this morning? Could I warn you against the folly of trying to outmaneuver God? Even your plans are secretly laid in his providence to conspire against you. Even your plans are laid in his providence to conspire against you. Our God is sovereign. Matthew Henry well said, when God makes use of men as instruments in his hand to do his work, which Abimelech was in the hand of God, an instrument to destroy these vile, wicked sinners, and he was himself a vile, wicked sinner. Matthew Henry said, when God makes use of men as instruments in his hand to do his work, they design to maintain their honor. But God designs to maintain his own. Amen. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 10, he prophesies to Israel that he's going to use this Assyrian, this vile, wicked nation, this idolatrous, abominable nation of Assyria. He's going to call them down as his servants to punish Israel, his people. Chapter 10, the book of Isaiah. Speaking of that Assyrian, chapter 10, verse 5, he says, Oh, Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is my indignation. When he comes down to get to deal with Israel, God says, that's my sword. That's in my hand. But listen, verse 6, I'll send them against an hypocritical nation and against the people of my wrath. Will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire in the streets? I'm going to turn him loose. I'm going to let him take Israel and destroy everything. But wait a minute, verse 7. How be it he meaneth not so. He meaneth not so. Neither does his heart think so. <laughs> but it is in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. He's only got one thing in his mind, destroying all nations, but I'm in charge. I'm superintending this affair. He doesn't think so. He doesn't think so. But I know what I'm doing. I'm punishing my people. Doesn't matter what he thinks. Amen. We got a sovereign God. I don't know how you could talk about God and not understand his sovereignty. 
He is overruling in the affairs of men. They designed to maintain their honor, said Matthew Henry. But God designs to maintain his own. So now the battle is lost in the field in verse 44. The battle is lost in the field in verse, in, in verse 44. Lost in the city in verse 45. And now the man, men, women, and no doubt children of Shechem, Shechem, who survived that original battle and that slaughter, they flee, verse 46, into the house of the God of Bereth. They're idle. They're false God. The one that they have turned to from the true and living God. Oh, how often is this tragic scene played out in the scenes of human history? Men follow their own evil hearts and it leads them into calamity and disaster. And then they flee to their own religion and it all comes crashing down with deadly consequences. These Shechemites thought that surely their God with a little g, the false God of Bereth, that their God would surely come now to their rescue. And so they shut themselves in. Verse 46, into a hole in the house of Bereth. Could I just say to you this morning what a horrible tragedy is false hope. False hope. They fled into a hole in the house of their false God and thought themselves safe. Somebody, I believe it was Bush in his commentary put it so succinctly when he said they sought refuge in the house of a false god and justice found them there. They sought refuge in the house of a false god and justice found them there. Oh, Matthew Henry said that, that which they hoped would be for their welfare proved to them a snare and a trap. Those, as those will certainly find that run to idols for shelter. It will prove a refuge of lies. When Abimelech had them all together pinned up in that hole, he desired nothing more. That barbarous project immediately came into his head of setting fire to the stronghold and, so to speak, burning all the birds in one nest. Burned alive! Burned alive! Burned alive! Burned alive! Matthew Henry said, burned all the birds in one nest. Oh, blessed Lord. Verse 48. 
Abimelech got him to the Mount of Zalmon. He and all the people that were with him and Abimelech took an axe in his hand. He cut down a bough from a tree, put it on his shoulder, carried it, said to the people, now you do that, everybody do that, all of y'all do that. And everybody did that and they took all these and they piled them up at the door of the hole and they set it on fire and they burned up a thousand men and women. Oh, can I just say to you this morning, there's no hope in false gods. There's no hope in false religion. One of the tragedies that I'm watching play out, you're watching play out every day in your news in America, is that we're turning to everything but God for our deliverance. We hope to raise up a better politician, a better governor, a better election, a better senator, a better this, a better that, a better education system, a better economic structure. We're looking to everything in the world to save us and nothing. We're going to burn up. We're going to burn up in these houses of false idols. We need God. We need God. We need to turn from our sin and turn to God. Oh, what had God said by the prophet in this same chapter in verse 20? You remember Jotham that escaped the only son of Gideon's 70 sons. Only one survived, Jotham. Jotham stands on the rock on the side of the mountain in this chapter and preaches to the people. And what did he say to them in verse 20? He said, the fire will come out from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem. And that's exactly what happened in verse 49. Fire came out from Abimelech and burned up the people of Shechem. Oh, dear Lord. Again, could I just pause and warn you, sinner, if you're here without Christ, can I just warn you? Dr. R.G. Lee said it, and I've quoted so many times out of that blessed message. The devil's pearls are paste pearls. His diamonds are glass. His money's counterfeit. And if you eat the devil's corn, he'll choke you with his cob. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He fled into a house of idolatry. Trusting something besides God. They burned alive. Oh, but could I just pause here? Amid these scenes of unthinkable horror. And remind you of how different is the matter with God's saints. Oh, can I just tell you, pause and say hallelujah. And say to you, in our God, we who know Him by faith find a safe hiding place. <laughs> oh, in our God, we find a strong tower and a safe place. I'll not face the fires of hell because at Calvary, He's already taken my hell. I love the words of that song, that old hymn, don't you? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Verse 27, Psalm 27, verse 4 and 6. Listen to this. Psalm 27, verse 4 through 6. One thing have I desired of the Lord. 
that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, hey, listen, listen to verse 5, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm not going to flee. I'm not going to flee into a hole of a false God. This God will hide me in his pavilion. Oh, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. And he shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I'll sing, yea, I'll sing praises unto the Lord. Because he's hiding me when trouble comes. I know where to go. Not Washington. Not Atlanta. I know where to go. Oh, I'm going into the house of the Lord. He's going to hide me in his care, in his pavilion. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10 said, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. Hallelujah. Could I just say hallelujah? The Lord, and by the way, in the King James Bible, that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the expression of the Lord Jehovah, this covenant God. I'm in covenant with him. Covenant God is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. That word, Hebrew word there for safe, I looked at, I looked at it. It literally means to be lifted up. I get lifted up above all the trouble. Oh, listen to this word. Can I just share this with you and I'll close. Psalm chapter 119. Verse 117. Hold thou me up and I shall be safe. And I will have respect unto thy statutes. Continue. Hold thou me up and I shall be safe. Back over in the other. Proverbs 18. He said I'll run into the, I'll run into his tower and I'll be safe. Now here's a paradox. I want to give you this and I'll close. There's a paradox in this word. This word safe. It's a Hebrew word that's an incredible paradox in the context of these verses. Because the word literally means open in a wide place. Now, now listen. The word means open in a wide place. And the psalmist said, I'm going to flee into his pavilion. 
So that the picture is that I'm only safe. I'm only ever safe. I'm only ever in an open, wide place when I'm locked in where He is. <laughs> I'm shut in. I'm only ever in an open, wide, safe place when I'm shut in where He is. Hallelujah. What a paradox. What a paradox. I'm safe. I'm in an open, wide place when I'm shut in where He is. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I bless His holy name. I don't want to trust in men. I don't have any confidence in them. I don't have any confidence in them. When trouble comes, even when that trouble is the fruit of my own sin, I want to flee into the tower. This tower. I want to flee to Him. Flee to Him. And let Him shut me in. In a wide open place. I'll be safe there. But these folks, they were burned alive in the very temple that they falsely believed would keep them safe. We got a world of folks these days that are trusting in a lot of towers that are not going to keep them safe. Remember the story the Lord Jesus gave? Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these marvelous things? Then will he say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Trusting in something besides the Lord. Earned a life. May God help us. Turn with me if you will please. In your hymn book. And stand with me once again. We sing together in closing. Hymn number 466. 466. Standing place. With guilt oppressed, bowed down with sin, beneath its load I groan. Give me, O Lord, a heart of flesh. Remove this heart of stone. A burdened sinner, low I come. In dread of death and hell, oh, seal my with thy blood and all my fears dispel nor peace nor rest my soul can find 